Hello, this is Darren Pulsifer, Chief Solution Architect of Public Sector at Intel. And welcome to Embracing Digital Transformation, where we investigate effective change leveraging people, process, and technology. On today's episode, Workload Cloud Placement Factors with Cloud Solution Specialist Rico Dutton. Rico, welcome to the show. Thank you, Darren. Thank you for uh, having me on here. So, Rico, you're part of our public sector team, and you are, I think, are you our only cloud specialist, our only technical cloud specialist? I, I think within our little public sector org, I, I think so. Yeah, at least directly within, uh, within public sector. Yes. But you're augmented by a huge cloud, uh, cloud solution architecture team that Intel has, right? Oh yeah, no, we have we have an absolutely massive team behind me supporting me, uh, people with certifications from all the various CSPs, uh, years of specialized workload experience, uh, and really just extensive experience having to do with all things related cloud. So I'm directly in our public sector team, but behind me, we have a, a massive and robust cloud support. Okay, before we, before we go tout all those guys, Rico, everyone wants to know when they hear when they hear people on the show, they want to hear your background. So give us a, you know, give us a brief, not 30 minutes, not 30 seconds, somewhere in between 30 minutes and 30 seconds. <laughs> your background, where you, where do you come from? You know, why are you why are you at Intel? Yeah, sure, absolutely. So I've been working, I've been working, I guess, in the IT, uh, IT field kind of as a in a in a sense with a big boy job for probably about the last decade or so. Uh, and what really made me choose the uh, career field in the first place was I'm, I'm an avid gamer. Uh, so gaming was kind of how I got my interest in ultimately building uh, gaming PCs. Because uh, at the time, if you wanted to play, play the games, play the latest games with the greatest graphics and the highest settings, you had to play on PC. In order to do that, you have to, um, you have to obviously, I mean, you can buy a pre-built uh, PC from an OEM, uh, but I always like building building them myself. Uh, game with the Most of ultimate gamers yeah. do, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I could never, I could never just buy pre-built off the shelf. I, I don't have it in me anymore. Um, no disrespect, to people who do, but I, I just, I just can't do it. Not at this point. But that was kind of that was kind of the genesis of it. Um, started with that, and then in high school, I got. I was fortunate that my high school actually offered. Uh, we could get certifications while in high school. Uh, so I got my A plus during high school, and I also got uh, my MCP and MCDST. And the MCDST at the time was the Microsoft certification. Uh, this was back in the Windows XP days, uh, kind of the XP leading into Vista and early Windows Seven days, where uh, that was kind of like the the entry mid level certification, the MCDST. So that was right. that was kind of what got my start and interest in this career, uh, and I kind of just kept following it, following it along. Um, and when I started working, you know, for real, first big boy job, as I like to say, uh, I began at a small MSP and really, uh, in that role, uh, anything that plugged into a wall or used electricity, I got the opportunity to deal with. Uh, so that was, again, that was, you know, servers, uh, client devices, networking, websites, web hosting, all that good stuff. Um, so that was kind of, I did that for a few years. I got a lot of operations experience in that role and then pivoted to pre-sales about uh, seven or eight years ago, uh, pivoted to the pre-sales, sales engineering side uh, and kind of did that for several years uh, and then wound up a couple years ago taking on, taking interest in the cloud, got certified on AWS. Uh, AWS was kind of how I, I learned cloud personally. 
And then from there, uh, Intel, Intel one day reached out. Um, and I'd never worked for such a large uh, organization before, at least an organization at the scale of Intel. So I saw that, I saw the opportunity and I decided, Hey, you know what, let's, let's go for this. Let's see how this goes. And, um, now I'm here. <laughs> that's awesome. So from gamer to cloud solution expert. Yeah, yeah that's pretty good. Yeah. Interesting, pretty good. Interesting Are path. you still game? Do you still game on the, in the evenings and the weekends? Oh yeah. Yeah, I still do. Um, it's in your blood. Yeah. Then. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to say maybe a little bit less now just cause there really hasn't been, there hasn't necessarily been that title that just reaches out and grabs me, uh, lately. Uh, but hopefully, hopefully that will change. There's a lot of, there's a lot of good stuff coming out. I know. I know everyone's loving uh, Baldur's Gate three right now. That's uh, that might be one I have to take a look at for sure. Um, but, All right. Yeah, so we'll, we're going to have to come back, and you're going to have to come back on the show and do some kind of uh, a you know gamers review. That'll be that'll be oh, that'd, awesome. that'd be fantastic. Yeah. All right. So let, let's dig into the subject today, which is work workload placement in the cloud. When I first heard this subject, I was like, well no duh, just move everything to the cloud. That's that's what we've been told, right? By Amazon and Azure yep. and Google. Hey, just run your stuff in the cloud. The cloud's this ubiquitous big thing. Just put it there. Yeah. Is is it that simple? <laughs> I think I think we all I think we all wish it was. You could just, you know, put put everything in there and then, you know, you wouldn't have any uh you wouldn't run into any issues doing that. Um, but unfortunately, it's it's not it's not always that seamless and that easy. Uh, there are several uh, there are several factors you need to take into consideration uh, before you move a workload to, to the cloud. Uh, first and foremost, being ultimately the the business the business drivers and the business outcomes. What what does the business want to ultimately get out of that application, and how can moving it or not moving it to the cloud really enable that outcome? That needs to be kind of the first thing you start with before you start looking at um, we start looking at what applications to move or, or even to move to the cloud at all, quite frankly. Wait, you said even move to the cloud at all. Aren't you a cloud solution architect? <laughs> it, isn't everything supposed to go to the cloud? Come on, Rico. Yeah. Well, well, to, 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 to backtrack a little bit. No, I'm kidding. Um, but on that, so cloud, cloud's not just cloud is not just a place. It's it's an operating model. Okay. Right? So what you oh do, okay yeah yeah. So what you can actually do is is you can operate your on premises or existing infrastructure as if it were a as if it were you know a cloud right a public cloud, and you can do that by implementing. Uh, technologies such as virtualization, um, you can you can implement uh, virtualization. You can uh, start. You can add support for things like container platforms. You can add support for things like microservices, automated provisioning, uh, automated networking, infrastructure as code. You can implement all these technologies and concepts within your uh, on. Uh, you can implement all those concepts within your existing infrastructure. Uh, and when you do that, you'll be able to essentially have a You'll be able to have a cloud-like experience, you know, with your on-premises infrastructure. Okay, that sounds that sounds like a lot of work, though. Is it is it a lot of work to to stand up? Because you're talking a private cloud mm -hmm. in this instance, right? Is it a lot of work yeah. to stand up my own private cloud? Because you mentioned virtualization automation, like a self-service portal, yeah. you know, or are there, are there products I can go out and buy today mm -hmm. that help me 
with my own private cloud journey? Yeah, sure, absolutely. I mean, I think I think the difficulty in that journey will kind of depend on where you're at. I mean, every every organization is at a particular uh, step along that journey. Uh, so if you're, if for example, you're all you know bare metal today, let's say, and you're not running a whole lot of virtualization, you're gonna have you're gonna have a bit of a longer path than an organization that's already. Uh, embraced technologies such as virtualization and has already embraced technologies such as containerization, etc. Um, but ultimately, I think I think any organization can get there because the benefits of modernizing and the benefits of doing so, I think, ultimately far outweigh the potential uh, the potential costs involved as far as upskilling your staff, uh, investing in new uh, software technologies, new infrastructure technologies, etc. Um, but there are several uh, there are several companies and software stacks can help you uh, help you along and help you do that. Uh, I mean, everyone's most people are familiar with VMware. Uh, that's that's a good that's a good first step uh, in just virtualizing. A good place to start is just virtualizing what you have, right? So if you're running on mainly bare metal today, uh, you can start by uh, virtualizing as much of your environment as you can uh, and just take that first baby step. Just, just start with the virtualization, start virtualizing what you can. And then from there, you can start looking at, oh, okay, now I have a VM. Could I maybe move some of these VMs to the cloud? Or do I want to go further and start uh, looking into containerization? Do I want to perhaps start virtualizing my storage? Do I want to start virtualizing my networking? I mean, like, what do I really want to do with this? And how far do I really want to take this? Uh, and, and which of these various technologies can benefit uh, my application and my organization as a whole? Uh, so those are those are kind of the things you want to start thinking about if you're you know, early on in your, your virtualization journey. Okay, Mo I, most organizations have some kind of virtualization, right? Most, yeah. unless you're small, right? Yeah. Um, so how do I decide um, as far as I've got virtualization? I may have uh, the glimpses of a private cloud, but I like how you called it. It's operating model yeah. change. Yeah. So it's no longer provisioning machines for specific applications. It's provisioning VMs that can run across multiple machines and, exactly. and things yeah. like that and, and portability. How do I make those decisions on, on what workloads I'm now going to target mm -hmm. to the cloud? What, what are those workload requirements that, that I have? Gotcha. Sure. Uh, well, that can, that, that really depends. I, I, I hate to give the answer. It depends, but it kind of it really does depend. Well, well, it does. But what factor? What factors are they that I need to at least tease out? For for example, if if you were to come in and help me with my workload requirements, mm -hmm. what what do I have to come prepared with? Sure, absolutely. So there are, there are several factors you need to take into consideration. Um, chief chief among them, I would say, is probably um, mainly performance. So. Uh, what are your what are your latency requirements? Um, how how close uh, does your does your application need to be deployed close to the end users? Uh, that's another important consideration. Uh, and there are also things like um, like data custody, data privacy. Uh, if you need to have the data reside in a certain geographic location, that's going to be another factor you have to take into consideration on. Uh, if you migrate the workload, and ultimately if you do choose to migrate it, you know where where does that land? Um, and then you also need to consider um, security is a consideration you have to look at as well. Uh, is this data is this data that I can afford to move out to the cloud, 
or is it is it so sensitive that it's better if I keep it you know within my my own network boundary and my own network firewall? Uh, so those are those are just a few of, of various factors you want to look at when you're deciding what workloads you want to move to the cloud or, or if you want to move to the cloud you know with those workloads in the first place. So I mean, technically, can I move any workload to the cloud? Technically. From from a technical perspective, you you could, although there are there are very but there's some cost for there's some costs, yeah, right? And, yeah. And like you mentioned, I love how you mentioned data uh, data sovereignty yeah. and and compliance uh, to data locality. Though those are issues, but technically, there's nothing really stopping me from taking a VM and moving it to to a cloud. Well, that technology exists, mm -hmm. correct? Yeah. No, it, it exists. It definitely exists. Um, there's nothing stopping you, but then you you may you may depending on the application in question and how it's architected, you may run into various issues such as it may not be as performant in the cloud, or if you have a lot of data transfer costs, what can happen is you can the bulk of your if an application isn't architected correctly, the the bulk of your cloud spend could uh, wind up being ultimately data transfer costs because generally the way most CSPs work is that you can move data in just fine. There's no there's no issue with that. But when you want to take it out or you're moving it even between regions within a certain CSP, it's possible to get hit with hefty uh, data movement charges that you're not prepared for. Uh, so that's that's something right. We call that we call that part of the Hotel California yeah. effect, right? Yeah, absolutely. You can check your data in, but you can't check it out. Exactly. Yeah, and and, and an unfortunate a drawback of that, and something we see a lot, is that a lot of organizations they will move workloads up to the cloud, uh, but then ultimately they wind up uh, moving them back, uh, essentially repatriating them back on prem. Uh, after that, shortly after that, because of, uh, the applications in question weren't. The ultimate cloud architecture wasn't necessarily thought all the way through before that migration was made. Uh, so it's really important to, um, I, I'd like to say, uh, measure measure twice, cut once. I, I would I would really think through. Um, I'd really think through, you know, which applications you're moving, and ultimately the application architecture. Like, how is this application going to look once it's in a once it's in a CSP environment? That's those are that's that's really that's that's really interesting because what that tells me is when I do a migration, I have to intimately understand and know my application because you're talking about data. Uh, so if I have an application that's doing some kind of data callback yeah. or um, or callback to an external source, I'm paying I'm paying for data egress anything moving out of the cloud. Yeah. I'm paying for. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, so I've got to I've got to intimately understand my applications before I move them. Yeah, absolutely. What you don't want to do is if if your application has problems, you don't want to you don't want to take your problems to the cloud with you because uh, that that can ultimately wind up uh, significantly increasing the costs and the, the size of the bills that you receive on the back end after you do that. Well, you're going to know real quick, yeah. aren't you? Oh, yeah. You're going to find out real quick on that. Okay, I, I've got a story around that. Um, there was a, a really large customer. I'm not going to mention their name because it's kind of embarrassing. Where um, they were mandated by government to um, 
to to put some of their supercomputing cluster in the cloud. Mm -hmm. So they had a high performance computer cluster. And so they did because it was mandated by law that some of the money that they had to spend. Mm -hmm. um, and they put one node up into the cloud and the rest of the cluster was in their data center. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. They ran through their whole year yeah. budget in cloud. They ran through it in like two months. Yeah. Because um, HPC clusters are notorious for being chatty, yeah. uh, for sharing data back and forth between cluster mm -hmm. nodes. Um, and uh, yeah, they, they just, it just went through the roof. Yeah. Uh, so they found out real, real uh, quick. Are there any other hidden costs? I'm calling them hidden because when you run, when you run the uh, calculators, because all the all the CSPs have yeah. calculators, oh, yeah, right? Sure. Um, that's a hidden cost because you don't really know how much data you're going to move in and out of the cloud until you start doing yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Are there any others like that 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 you know about that uh, we need to be careful of? Yeah, sure. I mean, another one you mentioned the data—that's a key one. But another one I would say is also um, making sure you have the talent uh, in your organization or namely have access to the talent to manage those those resources once they are up in the cloud uh, because it can get it can get expensive if you're bringing in outside consultants in kind of an ad hoc basis to manage your cloud environment uh, so I think what would help a lot of organizations in that case to manage the um, essentially to manage their their talent pool and their their workforce costs is to make sure you're able to um, both retrain or train your internal staff on how to operate operate a cloud environment, as well as make sure you're able to bring in the right outside talent to help you manage that. Because uh, it's better to, I think it's better to uh, build up that talent and build up those skill sets within the org, rather than going outside the org in kind of an ad hoc basis that can really uh, essentially rack up the the, the people, uh, the people costs and human costs. Uh, when so if I'm, a, if I'm a, if I'm a CIO, and I and I'm I'm using a traditional organization where I have network engineers, yeah. storage engineers, and uh, rack and stack servers. Gotcha. Yeah. Where do I look? Is it all three? I can pull from all three. Where would you look first to to retrain someone to be more cloud cloud centric? Gotcha. No, sure. Excellent question. Uh, so all of the all of the all the CSPs have their own. A training and certification path. And actually at Intel, we actually have our own uh, cloud, cloud solution architect and cloud engineer path as well uh, that can help uh, teach those skills across, you know, multiple clouds. Uh, but I would say, I would say um, just, just start, start small, start with the basics. Like even something as basic as, as, as a cloud practitioner cert or just an, an entry level uh, CSP cert. Start with that, uh, and then you can build up, build up, essentially build up the stack and go into uh, specialized areas. Because even within the cloud, I mean, you still have networking in the cloud, you still have storage in the cloud, you still have compute. Those things don't go away. It what simply changes is instead of them being in a data center that you manage, those resources are now in another organization's data center. Uh, so the resources are still there; they just they've just shifted where they are. Uh, so the skills are still there and they're still very much applicable to uh, to the cloud model. And and another benefit of that is it actually gives uh, it gives the, the workers within the organization the opportunities to learn new skills uh, and start to effectively cross train in areas that they may have had an interest in before or uh, they had an interest in before but couldn't necessarily do because prior to moving to the cloud, they were very much siloed in their little Okay, you're a storage person. You only do storage. You are a computer. You only do storage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Networking person. You only do networking. Uh, 
So I think I think moving to the cloud opens up several opportunities to upskill and cross-train on various different disciplines. Uh, and that includes- Great, okay. Yeah. Okay, you said uh, moving stuff up to the cloud and you we mentioned before, the cloud is not all the same. Yeah. I, I think of it as that way, right? Because I've been sold that, hey, the cloud is ubiquitous. I've got compute storage and network. Mm-hmm. Hey, those are those are consumable by like electricity out of the wall. Yeah. Um, all my electricity in my whole house, except for one plug, is one twenty. I got two twenty for my dryer. Mm-hmm. That's it. Is that the same in the cloud? Where hey, I just go to compute. All the compute is equal. All the instances on computer are the equal. All the storage is equal. Network is equal. Or do I still have a lot of variability in that that I have to make decisions from? No, absolutely. You have in the cloud. You still have tremendous amounts of variability in the compute because what happens is uh, on on premises. On premises, for example, you can have various choices of which compute you land on, which compute you use. In the cloud, that's still very much the same. And there are definite there are definite distinct benefits of running on one architecture versus another, or choosing one accelerator versus another. So all those decisions, those decisions that you would still have made on premises, you'll still need to make them in the cloud. Uh, now, one thing one thing that's unique about Intel is that really, um, and, and one reason why I love being here is that we're we're ubiquitous across you know all the clouds. I be that I mean again. Amazon, Azure, Google Cloud, Oracle, IBM Cloud. I mean, even some of the foreign CSPs, you know, Tencent Cloud, Alibaba Cloud, we're all over the place. So no matter where you choose to, no matter where you choose to run your workload or which cloud you choose to run it in, Intel can be that consistent, uh, that consistent, you know, ingredient silicon brand that, you know, essentially, you know, rides underneath all of them. Um, but the decision on which which compute you land on, it's just as important in the cloud as it is on them. Okay, so so what is available in the cloud today? I mean, because in my data center, I have stuff that's 15 years old and seven years yeah. old and three years old, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that, that happens yeah. in every single data center, right? Is it the same in the cloud? Do they have stuff that's really that old that... I, I may, and those are probably the cheaper one, the cheaper instances, yeah. right? Yeah, sure. No, they definitely do. There's definitely a mix of, there's definitely a mix of uh, instance and compute families within the CSPs. So one thing that the CSPs will often do is a lot of those, um, a lot of those older, those older uh, compute instances, uh, which are really backed by older generations of compute, uh, compute hardware and, and, you know, compute CPU, uh, CPU generations, they'll take a lot of those older generations and then they will actually take those older servers. And once they take them out of kind of the traditional, um, traditional IaaS uh, infrastructure as a service provisioning pool, what they'll do is they will actually take a lot of those servers and have them handle a lot of the, the serverless uh, compute functions. So if you're familiar with such as an Amazon, an AWS Lambda or uh, an Azure functions, just as you know, two examples, a lot of those, uh, a lot of those, um, when you when you make a request using those services, a lot of times that actually winds up landing on some of these older machines because it's just you're basically paying per function uh, and that utilizing it was more it's it's fairly cost effective to utilize those older those older machines. Well, yeah, because they hardware. they've already they've already um, yeah. uh, depreciated all their costs. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So so they're so they're keeping around really old machine. Probably yeah. first gen Xeon is probably still running. Mm-hmm in in the cloud and what is that eight years old nine years old 
Yeah, yeah, wow. and even even older than that, honestly. Yeah. Really? Wow. But you can you can go from that you can go from there all the way up to the the latest and greatest in in Sapphire Rapids because uh, that's that's now being rolled out uh, to the cloud service providers and which instance you land on I mean there's a there's there can be a world of difference in landing on you know say uh, landing on say a I don't know an Ivy Bridge Ivy Bridge based Xeon versus landing on the latest and greatest you know Sapphire Rapids there's a huge delta in performance there between those two instances. Uh, so yeah, really something important. like something like yeah. 10x, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Possibly even more with accelerators. I mean, definitely more with accelerators. So it it just it it's really important to understand those various instance families, those instance generations, and taking that into consideration when you're choosing what instance to land on. Because another another interesting tidbit with uh, with cloud computing is the CSPs actually when they release a new generation of instance into the cloud, oftentimes the actual price for that instance, if you pay per hour, it isn't that much more than the uh, prior generation instance. A lot of times it may really? be the same. Yeah, it might actually be, it may be the same price or it may just be, you know, pennies on the dollar per hour more. Uh, so basically what happens is when you move to a later generation instance, it's actually possible to get more performance for the same amount of money that you've been paying. Uh, so that's another reason why it's important to really keep up on the latest, uh, the latest, either keep up on the latest instance families or implement um, implement modern uh, modern modern DevOps practices and modern uh, modern cloud native practices to make sure that when possible you're always landing on you know the latest and greatest instance. Gotcha. Because you're actually right, leaving so performance on the table when you're not doing that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and and there's this trade-off, right? Price performance trade-off that yeah. you have to make. Does Intel have um, any price performance metrics that I can use, or do I have to just do this myself? Um, you know, through experimentation, or is there somewhere I can go to to help me make a decision on? I have an SQL database. Mm -hmm. What's the best instance for that to land on? And the brand new Sapphire Rapids, or is Cascade Lake good enough, or do I go to Ice Lake? You know, there's all these different um, generations of Intel uh, processors. Yeah, sure, absolutely. So, so one thing, one thing that myself and a lot of our cloud specialists are very good at is instant selection for that particular workload. That is a conversation that if you're an organization that you're not sure, you know, which instance or which cloud, or, or ultimately just generally not sure what to do as far as this whole flat cloud thing is concerned, you can definitely reach out to us, and we'd be happy to help assist you. In choosing the proper instance, um, but we also have we also have uh, we also have tools that help with that. So Densify uh, Intel Intel Cloud Optimizer, also known as Densify, that's actually a tool that helps. Uh, that's a tool that helps make sure you're landing on the proper instance for your workload. Because uh, what Densify is actually able to do is it use it's able to use machine learning to actually understand which instance features an application is and isn't using, as well as how much compute. How much, uh, how much networking, et cetera, the application is using, and it can take all that into consideration and choose the right size instance for uh, that particular workload. So one thing we've seen is uh, a lot of organizations will actually, they will actually um, implement Densify's instance recommendations into their uh, Terraform scripts. So what will happen is that, oh, interesting. yeah, yeah. So pretty much when a workload is spun up, it's always going to land on the latest, or rather, the most 
the most performant uh, instance for uh, the most performant instance for the work that needs to be performed. For the work that needs to be done. Uh, very cool stuff. Um, one last thing. Sure. All cloud, you, you said everyone uses Intel. All the cloud service mm -hmm. providers use Intel. Yeah. Is it exclusively Intel? Do they have their own stuff? And then do I have an issue with portability? If my stuff is running on Intel, uh, you know, uh, on-prem mm -hmm. and I move it to the cloud, is there any issues with uh, incompatibility running in the cloud? And then repatriating as well. Is that an issue at all? Mm -hmm. Sure. So so right now Intel, Intel in the cloud, we comprise we comprise about 90% of the world's cloud instances. So the world's clouds run on Intel right now. Um, so so if you're looking to port a, a an x86 based a workload from on-premises and move that up to the cloud, uh, Intel landing on an Intel instance is the natural uh, the natural fit for that. Um, but we are experiencing uh, competition in the cloud. There is still, AMD is still in the cloud. Um, there are AMD-based instances that we compete with in a similar vein to the on-premises world. Uh, and there are also a lot of ARM-based instances. Uh, the, most, the most, I think, well-known one is AWS Graviton. Uh, so ARM, ARM, what it is, is um, basically ARM is a company and they license out their intellectual property to other companies and they can make uh, CPU chips with that. Uh, so the the ARM IP, it's you can think of it as it's very similar to what's likely in your phone or mobile device, but it's scaled up to server scale and a server platform. Uh, so that's another architecture that we do compete with. But the issue with ARM, uh, with Graviton and ARM-based processors in general, is that they tend to be very specific to that CSP, and you don't have a lot of workload portability. Uh, between not just between different uh, public cloud providers, but also between uh, the public cloud and uh, your on-premises or private cloud environment, it's very hard to port workloads in between in between those environments, uh, and that's another consideration uh, you have to consider if you're looking to migrate to ARM. Uh, there'd be a lot of uh, there'd be a lot of refactoring and redevelopment of code that would have to happen if you're looking to move uh, from an x86-based workload to um, to an ARM-based workload. And at Intel, one thing we've seen is we've seen the demand for that very, um, that very, that very performance per watt optimized compute. Uh, cloud providers, both end users and cloud providers, they want to be sustainable. They want to make sure they're getting the most performance uh, for uh, most performance for watt that they can. And one thing at Intel, we're actually looking at. We actually saw all of that, and we are actually going to address that in our roadmap. So the upcoming CR forest based processors are going to be very, uh, very very competitive in that regard. Energy, uh, energy yeah, efficient exactly. type. Yeah, because you're going to get all those, get all those performance per watt benefits while still being able to maintain that legacy code, uh, code um, compatibility with the x86 architecture. Uh, that's awesome. Hey, Rico, this has been very insightful. Um, if people want to uh, find out more information, yeah. they just reach out to Intel. What um, mm -hmm. is there a certain? Just send Rico your email. Yeah. Everyone in yeah, there. Yeah, send, just send, send it my way. I'm happy to, you know, happy to help. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll even, if, if, it's, if it's about gaming, I'll respond twice as fast. Yeah, of course, of course. Thank you for listening to Embracing Digital Transformation today. If you enjoyed our podcast, give it five stars on your favorite podcasting site or YouTube channel. You can find out more information about Embracing Digital Transformation at Embracing Digital. Dot org. Until next time, go out and do something wonderful.